Our reading tonight, uh, I'm going to read from Martin Luther's small catechism, uh, the second article of the Creed, and then I'm going to read what has been often called Luther's explanation, but we're going to talk about why I think that's not actually what this is. So a reading from Luther's small catechism, the second article. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean for us? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father in eternity, and also a true human being, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned human being. He has purchased and freed me from all sins, from death and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. He has done all this in order that I may belong to him, live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in eternal righteousness, innocence, and blessedness just as he has risen from the dead and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. Thank you, good Lutherans. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears that we might hear a word for us tonight anew and that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this is probably going to go a little bit better uh, if we have at least some interaction. Um, so please feel free to stop or ask a question or interrupt. Uh, because I, th I think for me anyway, this will go a little bit better if it's a little bit more interactive uh, than it is just me sort of monologuing, uh, doing my best Dave letter impersonation. So here's my first question. Um, I wonder uh, if anybody is willing to share or if any of you out there have had some sort of experience with the small catechism. Just go ahead and raise your hand. It's a good way of participating. Start. Okay, so next question. Uh, Dick, thank you. So uh, what I'm curious is, is how many of those experiences have been positive experiences with the small catechism? Hmm. Okay, good. Danny, we've just started doing this, so you're new to this whole stick. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, confirmation students. Uh, one of the best things about having started to talk a little bit about uh, the small catechism is that over the last couple of months, I've had a lot of people come into my office and they have uh, done exactly what Dick Schultz did. He came up tonight and he said, I want to show you this. Uh, and this uh, is Dick Schultz's uh, small catechism. And uh, let's just uh, look at the dates inside of here, shall we? So... This was given uh, to Richard Schultz in Greenville, Wisconsin on January, January 18th. We're, we're like at an anniversary in 1947. How cool is that? And you still have it. That is very cool. Uh, so that, the version that uh, Dick has is actually the same version that my mom had, who grew up Episcopalian, actually. Uh, so that's sort of strange. I don't know. My mom doesn't remember why she had it, but when... <laughs> Good positive experience with the small catechism. Um, anyway, that's my mom's um, that she had. Uh, this, is some, this is Kathy Stitz. Is Kathy here tonight? Uh, this one was given to Kathy um, 
And it was hers, although I think this actually belonged uh, to maybe her grandmother. Uh, this was a version from 1893, I think. 1893. Um, so catechisms have been around for a long time, and they have come in all sorts of sizes and flavors. Uh, in fact, Milford came in today, uh, Milford Langhow came in this morning, and his, his small catechism is about this big. Uh, not small. Um, so, um, and maybe some of you, uh, anybody else out there have their small catechism with them? At home? Bring it next week. Um, so we're a little late to the party, but maybe you know that this is actually the 500th anniversary of the Reformation that was celebrated this past October. So we're a little late to the game. Uh, but um, nonetheless, here we are talking about the small catechism. Um, does anybody know what catechism means or where, what the word catechism means? Fred? Oh, no. Okay, good. Wade? Teaching? Close. Uh, so it's a Greek word. Uh, if you want to pull it apart, there's two parts of this. Kata, which is a preposition sort of like in uh, Greek. And then the second word, um, kidzo, which actually is the same word that we use for echo. And so what it really means is, again, to sound. And so a catechism, actually, it's, it is teaching, but the way it means to teach is call and response. Uh, and part of the reason is, is because uh, teaching, lots of times, is call and response because there were lots of people that couldn't read. Uh, and there were lots of people that didn't have access to books. So what I'm curious is, is when you learned the small catechism, <laughs> how many people had this experience where a pastor would say, Janelle, fourth commandment. And then you had to tell them what the fourth commandment was, right? And then somebody, a uh, pastor might, did I hear the fourth commandment out there? Confirmation students know, right? Put them on the spot. Honor thy father and mother. What does this mean for us? It's good, excellent. This is why we're reviewing it, right? This, this is a, it's a good, good, good opportunity. Uh, I can give you the first part, right? We should fear and love God. And so this is actually what catechesis is. It's call and response learning. Um, and so that's what the word catechism means. That's where it came from. So I wonder how many of you had the experience in confirmation where on your confirmation day, you came into a sanctuary much like this and you sat down in front and then one at a time, you had to come up in front and the pastor did exactly what I just did to Janelle and said, Mr. Schultze, would you please give us the uh, Martin Luther's explanation to the third article of the Creed? Yeah. <laughs> Open book test, right? <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, I think one of the things that's happened is we've um, really scarred people uh, with the small catechism, which may be why when I went through confirmation, we didn't use it, uh, which I actually think is rather tragic, to tell you the truth. Um, so uh, Martin Luther's small catechism was originally intended to be quite small. In fact, uh, because of printing constraints, and many of you know that in Martin Luther's day, uh, printing was just starting to come to be. Uh, and so the chief parts of the small catechism, which are the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, were all individually printed on one sheet. And they were designed to be uh, short, pithy responses so that you could fold these things up and put them in your pocket and take it with you. 
And so what I think is really interesting is that now here we are in the 20th century uh, and we all have access to all sorts of good things, including phones, which are usually where? In your pocket. So go ahead and get yours out right now and go to your uh, handy little app store. And if you look up Martin Luther's small catechism, you will find that there is a 500th anniversary edition of Martin Luther's small catechism. It has a little red and white vine is what the app looks like. So the app ends up looking like this uh, when you finally download it. Um, Go ahead and download it um, because now you can take and you can have the small catechism exactly where it belongs with you all the time in your pocket. How cool is that? 500 years later, our technology now allows everyone to have the small catechism in your pocket. I would also encourage you to spend $1.99 for the study edition because it has some really handy extra things in it. Um, If you're not a fan of doing it on the phone and having it in your pocket, I do have a few uh, actual old school hard copies right here and I would be more than happy to give you one, okay? Um, So if you want one, I have them up here afterwards. Otherwise, download it and put it in your pocket. Uh, And now you have it with you all the time, wherever you go. Okay, so uh, what is the small catechism? This is my goal tonight, is to get us oriented this thing. What is it? Um, If I were to just ask you right now, you've all had it, you now have it all on your phones, you've all had some experience with it. What is it? What is the small catechism? Faith 101. I like that. Any other thoughts? What is the small catechism? A how-to manual. I like that. Manual, actually, if uh, uh, the, um, the Latin word is incurion, I think I said that right, it's, uh, it, means it originally meant a dagger, uh, but what it turns out to mean is uh, that you would hold in your hand, but it turned into the word manual. Uh, so manual actually is a good thing. Actually, that's what it said on the front of some of Martin Luther's first editions of um, the small catechism. It was a manual. Something went in your hand. Um, not necessarily in your pocket. Yeah, so the small catechism is the ABCs. Oh, good grief. Sorry, up in the balcony. Miss Lily. It's a book about being Lutheran. How about a round of applause for Lily? That's a good answer. Yeah, it's the ABCs of faith. Um, and uh, it is particularly Lutheran. Um, One of the things that's happening in Luther's day that you probably will remember is that we're about 1,500 years after the Christ event. And what has happened at this point is that there have been layers upon layers of theology and thinking and practice uh, and ideas and church practice that have been layered on top of what the early church has done. And I think one of the things that Martin Luther recognized, it has gotten very confusing Um, And so Martin Luther has this discovery about a reorientation about thinking about faith. And one of the things that he also discovers is he takes a little tour uh, for some of the new pastors out into the world to see how these congregations that are now Protestant are doing. Uh, And it's not a pretty picture. Um, And so if you download the study edition, I think this was a good choice. Luther's preface (laughs) is the last thing. And here's why, because this is Luther's preface to the small catechism, and um, I think you'll like this, (laughs) or maybe not. (laughs) Luther says, 
Grace, mercy, and peace in Jesus Christ our Lord from Martin Luther to all faithful godly pastors and preachers. He's writing a letter to Joanna and I. He says this, The deplorable conditions which I recently encountered when I was a visitor constrained me to prepare this brief and simple catechism of statement of Christian teaching. Good God, what wretchedness I beheld. (laughs) Did I read that properly? Yeah, okay. I'm not making this up, okay? Good God, what wretchedness I beheld. The common people, especially those who live in the country, have no knowledge whatever of Christian teaching, and unfortunately, many pastors are quite incompetent and unfitted for teaching. (sighs) Although the people are supposed to be Christian and are baptized and receive the Holy Sacrament, they do not know the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, or the Ten Commandments. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate the side comment. That's how most pastors are, he said. This is the best part. They don't know the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, or the Ten Commandments, and they live as if they were pigs and irrational beasts. And now that the gospel has been restored, they have mastered the fine art of abusing their freedom. Doesn't this warm your heart? And just, wow, this is the beginning of this book, right? goes on, how will you bishops ever answer for it before Christ that you have so shamefully neglected the people and paid no attention of all to the duties of your office? You withhold the cup and the Lord's Supper and insist on the observance of human laws, yet you take no delight in the slightest interest at all in teaching the people the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, the Ten Commandments, or a single part of the Word of God. Woe to you forever. That's, that's your pep talk to read the small catechism. So, uh, fortunately, uh, there is another introduction to the small catechism. Uh, and um, it is designed, as uh, Brian introduced, it's never meant actually to be uh, something that's uh, inflicted upon middle school students. Uh, it is, in fact, uh, following on the tradition of our Jewish brothers and sisters Uh, whose orientation to faith in general is something called the Shema. Have you ever heard of the Shema? You know what that is? Um, It's a part of the Old Testament. It's a part of Deuteronomy. What was cool is this morning is Quint Weberg's um, daughter actually knows Hebrew, and there's a song that goes with it. And so this morning she sang us uh, Deuteronomy or the Shema in Hebrew. It was fabulous. Um, But it's a perfect example of the way the Jewish people have oriented themselves towards teaching the faith. And this is their uh, little introductory rubric, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And this is the little bit that uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters do really well. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise. One of the most important things that we could learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters is the center of the faith life is at home. And in fact, what Luther says at the very beginning of the small catechism is to the head of the household, as they are to teach their family at home. This is a book that's designed for parents and children to have conversation over the dinner table about. 
This was never meant to be inflicted just on our middle school students, but it was meant to be a family devotional book that was done together. And here's one of the things that I think. Our day and Luther's day are actually quite similar. In Luther's day, there was an overabundance suddenly of information and this layering of all sorts of things Christian. And if you're anything like me, most of the time I walk around and I'm like, just give me the facts, ma'am. Just the core of the thing. I don't have time for all of the other things. I need to know the center of the thing. I need to know what's most important. I'm not going to read the whole Bible, okay? This is Luther's answer. In the midst of an overwhelming world, Luther's answer is the small catechism. I don't know about you, but I really like the Dummies series because that's me. That's what this is. Are you, if you are curious as to what is the center of our Lutheran faith, this is it. Okay, does that make sense? All right, any questions about what I've talked about so far? I'm going to keep going for a while. I got more. All right. So what are the chief parts of the small catechism? Um, we talked about them. Luther says it a bunch of times in his little intro. What are they? What are the chief parts of the small catechism? Anybody? Lord's Prayer. Lord's Prayer. Ten Commandments, Creed. Uh, and what order do they actually go in? Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer. Thank you, confirmation students. They know we've been talking about this. Uh, and then there are two other parts. Anybody know what they are? Sacraments. Yeah, we'll just put... So I'm going to make the last two are going to be a little bit of a shorthand. Sacraments, and then what's the last bit? Yeah, well, baptism. So we're going to take the sacrament of baptism and sacrament of communion and put those together and call them sacraments. And then we're going to make the last one one thing. I got to get five. I only got five fingers. What's that? Uh, yeah, office of the keys, or Luther calls it the table of duties. I call it daily prayers. Okay? So last year we had a very Muslim Lent, and we talked about the five pillars of Islam. This year we're going to talk about the five pillars of being Lutheran. So they are the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, sacraments, and then what I call Martin Luther's daily prayers. So if anybody ever says, what are the five pillars of being Lutheran, you, now you have an answer, right? <laughs> Handy, right? Uh, anyway, I think so. Um, the other thing that I learned um, uh, last winter when I went out to Theoprobe, and this is really the thing that was the hinge for me, Timothy Wangard is probably one of the leading Lutheran scholars these days, and he is particularly interested in the small catechism. And um, the thing that I learned that I found so incredibly moving is that in 1529 or 1530, uh, Martin Luther had a three-year-old child named Hans. Uh, Martin Luther was a father, which was a unique experience in the clergy of the day. Um, and what... Timothy Wanger makes the assertion uh, that Martin Luther is not just writing this for instruction out in the community. Luther is writing this for his three-year-old son. And what I think about that is I have a three-year-old niece, um, and it would be interesting for all of us to think about what would be the very most important things we would want to teach our children the reason I don't like to call any of the things that Luther writes in the small catechism explanations is because I don't think that's what they are. What Luther says about each and every one of the commandments, the articles of the creed, the Lord's prayer, the sacraments, and then the daily prayers, these are Luther's confession of his most intimate expression of faith for the sake of his three-year-old son. 
Now that completely changes the tone of the whole thing for me. Because that means each and every one of the little things that Luther says, and I'm going to call them confessions, is Luther's deepest heartfelt feelings about each of these parts of the Christian faith. And for me, it changes the whole tone of the thing because if I think about these not as cognitive things to comprehend, but as experiential things to feel that he's trying to communicate to his family, that completely changes the tone of the whole thing for me. So all of the things that you've been told, these are explanations, that's not what they are. This is Luther's confession, his intimate confession for a three-year-old. <clears throat> I think that's super important. It, it changes the way I think about this. The other thing to say is that Tim, Timothy Wangert said this. We've all, we've all been taught and told uh, that uh, the little thing is, what does this mean for us? That's not what that means at all. Anybody who knows good German knows that was ist das is not, what does this mean for us? What does it mean, Nathan? It means, what is this? What is this? What do three-year-olds ask all the time? Why? What is this? Why? Why? What is this? What is this? What is this? That's what three-year-olds asked. Luther's answering is three-year-old. Okay? All right. I got one more thing, then I'll be done. Sorry. Got to keep going. We got to get to this. Most important part. Sorry. We'll be out of here by eight. Promise. The order of the small catechism is super important. It's one of the geniuses of Luther. Um, most of the small catechisms or catechisms of Luther's day starts either with the Lord's Prayer or the Creed. Because the idea was you give a little basics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and then you give them the Ten Commandments because that's how you're supposed to live. Um, Luther's brilliant insight is he figures out that that's really not how human beings work. And so he reverses the order. The Ten Commandments come first and then the creed, and then the Lord's Prayer. And Luther, actually, what he's doing is this is, this is spiritual health care. And he actually says this in one of his other writings. It's another prayer book that he wrote. He calls it this. He says, the law is the diagnosis of our disease. The creed is the medicine we need. And the Lord's Prayer is the right dose to fill the prescription. Now, what does he mean exactly by that? I'll explain it by saying this. I think a lot of times in, in, in Christian history, but especially today, we think about somehow having faith as being more pious or maybe more spiritual or maybe more righteous or maybe being a good person or maybe even being a better person. Luther says that is not faith at all. Luther actually says this is faith. He says, instead... Faith is to know, to see, to believe, and to admit how deeply selfish and self-centered we are. The words that Luther uses is curved in on ourselves, that we tend to think of ourselves first. And Luther says, only when you realize the depth of your need can you experience the depth of God's grace and love. And so Luther begins with the Ten Commandments because what it does is it highlights our inability to fulfill even the most basic of hopes for God, of God for all of us. And most of us, I think, wander around not even being able to fill our, fulfill our own expectations of ourselves, let alone of God. 
And so the reasoning behind Luther is to put the Ten Commandments first so that it exposes the truth of who humans are. Now, you can disagree with Luther's assessment of human beings if you want to, uh, but it really is the hinge upon which this, all, the whole thing uh, spins. Uh, and it really is uh, Luther's significant insight. And if, you're, if you've noticed, our entire worship service is actually set up this way. Have you ever noticed that? What do we do when we first come to worship? I am in bondage to sin and cannot free myself. This is the Ten Commandments. And then we kind of wander around for a little bit. The preacher gets up and talks too long, and we call that a sermon. And then right after that, we have the creed. And then we wander around a little bit, and we have the Lord's Prayer. And then the sacraments. Uh, You've been doing the small catechism if you've been Lutheran your whole life, and you never even knew it. Clever, huh? What I think is really interesting to me Uh, is sitting, especially with our Wednesday morning folks, who are a lot of our older folks, and lots of them can't articulate any of this, but what's amazing to me is they've been doing it so long, it's soaked into them without them even knowing. And and I will tell you that we we are so lucky to have so many 80 and 90-year-olds, and I will tell you the quality that I think they have captured that so is Lutheran is the sense of humility and grace. Uh, And I think they got it because of Luther's genius of how this is put together. Uh, And they recognize God's grace in our life. So I want to close with the same way I started. Um, And what we'll do for the next couple of weeks is now we'll dig into each of these ones now that I've got you oriented and ready to go home and watch the rest of the Olympics. Um, The other brilliant part of Luther's small catechism is this. Um, if you know what a chiasm is, it's something that's sort of like a sonata. It's like an ABA form or a circular. Um, and one of the genius things about Luther's small catechism is the heart of the Christian faith falls right in the dead smack middle of the whole thing. And for Luther, the whole idea of God's grace hinges on the second article of the creed, which is the smack dab middle of the small catechism and is the center of Luther's understanding of faith. So I'll close with that, uh, and next week we'll get into the Ten Commandments, and then the following week the Creed, and then the Lord's Prayer, and then sacraments. But uh, this is the middle of Luther's faith, and it is the middle of Luther's small catechism. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come to judge the living and the dead. Hans asks, What is this, Daddy? And Luther says, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father in eternity, and also a true human being, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned human being. He has purchased and freed me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. He has done all this in order that I may belong to him, live under him in his kingdom, serve him in eternal righteousness, innocence and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. Amen.